Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Yo, yo, what's good, everyone? And welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherman. Today is Wednesday, December 1st, 2021, and this is episode 187. I hope everyone is having a great holiday season so far, and I hope you're also just as excited as I am for this episode because it's a big one. I am truly honored to have Autograph on Sherman the Booth, and I had such a great time chatting with Michael, who's one of three members, a few weeks ago while he was at his place in Los Angeles. In episode 187, we got it all in and started by talking about their early inspirations and influences. Michael was born and raised in Chicago and has always had a passion for music. Originally a rock and punk fan, he went to tons of venues across Chicago and fell in love with the live music experience. He called it his intro to what an electronic dance music show can be like. Eventually, he started Midnight Conspiracy with his buddy Louis Ka, which saw a ton of success in the bass music scene, but they pivoted directions in 2014 and Autograph was born. Autograph is a new age pop indie house fusion group, not to mention probably 10 other genres, that's made up of Michael Wing, Louis Ka, and Jay Carpenter, and boy are we glad they decided to start Autograph. Now of course we talked about the Autograph discography. It's filled with original productions, remixes, collaborations, and a ton of variety. We talked about the stories behind how some autograph remixes came together, like their Odessa's All We Need remix and Avicii's Waiting for Love remix, and of course some of their original tracks like Dream, Metaphysical with Janelle Kroll, Move All Night with Sunburn and Cole, and of course their first album, Ace of You. Loved this portion of the interview. We also had a great discussion on NFTs and digital mediums. Autograph has been on the forefront of innovation when it comes to being an artist in the dance music industry. Michael walked us through exactly what an NFT is and how artists can use them to connect with their fans on every level. They actually just recently hosted a first-of-its-kind hybrid digital-physical concert with I'm Not Art here in Chicago, and it showcased physical representations of non-fungible tokens, aka NFTs. Super dope and cutting-edge stuff, and I'm really excited to see what they do with all this. When people talk about globally known dance music acts from Chicago, Autograph comes up every single time, and there's good reason for it. They consistently push the boundaries of sound and are a genuine and authentic act who loves to share their music with the world. As an Autograph fan, this one means so much, so thank you to Michael for taking the time to come on, and I can't wait to meet you and the rest of the team in person soon. Now let's get into it right now so you guys can hear their story for yourselves. This is episode 187 with Autograph. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to a big episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm here with one of the members of Autograph, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Genuine pleasure. Really appreciate it. How are you doing out there in sunny Los Angeles, sir? That's doing pretty good. It's happy to be here with you, tuning in from uh, across the country. That's right. That's right. We were just catching up uh, before we went live, and it's just incredible how many, uh, how many people out here in Chicago, of course, know who you are, but on a personal level. Um, you are definitely one of those one of those guys in the industry that's a man of the people. Um, it seems like you know one handshake away, you're never never hard to reach. 
And shout out to our mutual friend, Jaime, for connecting us. Um, we're out here podcasting, man. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of love to Chicago. It's my hometown. So lots of love to yeah. Chicago. That's right. Actually, speaking of Chicago, I have a, a great question for you. And this is something that I asked Danny Beal. I always like to start off the interviews with, with something a little more probing. Um, what is your favorite Chicago venue that's no longer around? Music venue and why? Uh, it's probably got to be the mid just because oh, got to be. <laughs> just because be. that was like where we had some of our very first shows as autograph was the mid and uh, the yeah. whole team there was like really welcoming of us. And I think mm. we opened up for Tycho out there. It was like our first autograph show. So yeah, it was, wow. it was, <laughs> it that was, was awesome. 2014, yeah, so. Like around that time. Yeah, probably. No, maybe a little later than that. Maybe like 20, what is it? 20, 2015, probably. Yeah, maybe like a year after that or so. But yeah, yeah, the mid will be forever a place in my heart and the team oh, from there. Gosh, I, the mid was like, it just, it is an institution. It always will be. And yeah. shout out to Fi, who really not, I don't want to say turn that place around because it always brought in great acts, but really made it a welcoming place. And uh, the heart of, in the heart of the Midwest, got to have that attitude. And um, yeah. when I had him on a few years ago, we had a great conversation about Chicago, you know, it was about the people and yeah. the mid brought in so many different types of acts. Like you said, Tycho, I mean, they would bring in techno house, dubstep trap. They had the century room where you could switch it up. And yeah. Yeah, I think their place. Friday nights there were just amazing because it was whatever kind of like music league went there. It was like always based on the artist they had. It wasn't like set to like a specific genre ever. So you yeah. had a different crowd coming through and it was really about the music. So that's why I loved it there. Definitely set the standards. I remember before I graduated college in 2015, I went there and they were like, you got to wear a button down shirt and a suit jacket. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like dude, I'm like 21 years old. I don't have that. <laughs> Then the next year you show up in a, a graphic tee since that's the popular style. Yeah. And, yeah they're just like, yeah, come on in. Come on Shout in. out to Victory, actually. I'm sure you know him. And he, uh, <laughs> Gosh, I know him from Red No Five, is when I played, which, which is another, another club that's been gone for a while now. Yeah. He was working there. Uh, we were hanging out there. And then, yeah. Um, I saw Victory when I was last day. We played at Prism and uh, mm. he was there. So it was, it was good seeing him as well. Yes, he's the man. He drives like the the VIP party bus that picks up the DJs, and he just yeah, <laughs> he's the perfect guy for that. He is. He's got so much good energy. I love him. Yeah, he does have great energy. So you mentioned uh, you were from Chicago. Were you born in Chicago then? I was born in Chicago. Yeah, on the oh, north Chicago. side of Lincoln Square. Yeah, Lincoln Square. So an actual Chicago. And I know there's discrepancies between the nights <laughs> and the downtown people. I grew up in Indiana. I've been here for six years now, so like I don't really care. But it sounds like you're a real, real Chicagoan. I don't really care either. I think if you were like in a <laughs> suburb or Chicago, it's like, ridiculous can't, conversation. Can't really choose where you were born at. Like, I don't know. <laughs> also, it's so much easier, like for people that are outside of Chicago to be like, yeah, I, I'm actually from Chicago and not like, you know, Naperville. Like nobody yeah. knows what Naperville is. Right. I think as long as you are coming into Chicago and doing things in Chicago, it counts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I mean, growing up in, in a city like Chicago, obviously we mentioned the heart of the Midwest, such a thriving music scene here. I mean, so much history, Chicago, house music, of course, blues, I think yeah. is, a, is a genre that's not talked about enough here, um, but it really is just a rich culture. What was it like growing up? I mean, obviously you're a producer and a DJ now, uh, must have had a huge influence on you. Yeah, I think it was really cool. I remember going to the Metro when I was in high school for shows wow. and stuff. So yeah. that was, uh, that was always fun. And uh I went to my when I was like I don't even know how old I was probably like 
13, 12, I went to the Aragon for like my very first concert that I went to. It was there. really embarrassing with the <laughs> Smash Mouth. But that's not embarrassing. That's awesome. <laughs> that was cool at the time. That was cool at the time. So that was like, yeah. So yeah, it was just cool like growing up and having those kind of venues around to experience. I mean, I was really into like more like rock, indie metal growing up. Um, and then it really wasn't until I think a, Metro actually had this party. It was like an Electro Clash party when I was like, maybe I just turned 18 or something like that. Um, and I remember going to those and that was kind of like my intro into like electronic music. Yeah. Was that your first electronic show then you think? Um, like in high school, there was like a couple like raves I went to, I guess, but um, I didn't really know the music so much then, but it was really like the electro clash stuff mm -hmm. um, that when I was like 18, that started getting into it. And then like bands like The Faint and Mastercraft and those kind of like electro indie oh. rock type bands mastercraft um, i haven't heard that name yeah, yeah that was actually one of the first electronic music groups that i heard too yeah so so those kind of groups really got me further from like rock because they're like doing all the remixes of all the cool like indie bands and like turning them into electronic remixes that you could play at parties and stuff so that was of course but you were really definitely what got me fan, into fan first yeah fan first yeah she likes the house cat was another guy that i remember yes. seeing early uh, yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome. Do you remember the first like DJ you saw then? Was it actually like a little bit longer in life? Because they, they, the DJs were always around, of course, right? But like the actual like career of being a DJ, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, it was probably like, I'm trying to think who it was. It would have been at the Metro for those Electro Clash parties, but I can't remember yeah. who the DJ was. Maybe it was like, and I, did, I don't even know who it was, but it was some <laughs> electric, but someone from the Electro Clash era, someone yeah. like, yeah, from that era. Yeah. So didn't you, do you remember like, maybe it was like a specific moment where you said, I think I want to actually make this passion a career. You know, it was, it was so gradual for me. So like, mm -hmm. um, I was really into the music and stuff, but I had no intention on being a DJ or working in music or anything like that. Um, yeah. but I had, I had an art gallery in Chicago it was next to the Congress theater. Awesome. So maybe that, maybe that's one of the venues that like left yes, that, that had a big impact on me. So um, I had a storefront next to the Congress Theater, one of the storefronts there, and um, we had a gallery called Zoku, and we had a screen printing company in the back, and in the basement, we were throwing parties, basically, um, and we would get acts to come play um, our, our like, after parties. Like, there's a big show at the Congress, we would just throw an after party at the basement of our gallery afterwards, what? just, like, come in, and, like, we were, like, making money that way, and uh, there you go. ended up, yeah, we ended up... Um, getting like a DJ set up there and stuff. And people were like, you should learn how to DJ. And I was like, ah, I don't know, like, <laughs> like doing the art thing at the time, which right. I still love, but, uh, but yeah, then uh, kind of slowly, I think I got like tractor and like some MIDI controller and I was messing around with that and slowly got into DJing. Yeah. From that. How, how old were you then? If you don't mind me asking. Probably like 22, 23 at the time. Yeah. Maybe, maybe no, probably later actually. Cause man, Time is just like, <laughs> yeah, me. I, I hear you. Uh, it actually would have been later because I was throwing the parties like around, started throwing parties around like 21, 22 and probably didn't start DJing until like 24. Maybe, yeah. Okay. So you were DJing yeah. before you're producing then? Yeah. Yeah. So DJing first because we were just, yeah. So like DJing my own parties essentially. Um, yeah. Hey, if you build it, they will come. I had the yeah. same experience here. I, I uh, came to Chicago I started DJing in college and in college at IU, it's like, 
you know, you get to a, a certain point where they'll just book you if you can bring your frat brothers and sorority sisters just to fill the room, right? And you're like, yeah, I'm the shit. This is awesome. I got Look this, this yeah. <laughs> Opening for like Blau, you know, who's like at that point on tour for doing SoundCloud mashups. So like, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's not reality. And then you come to Chicago, and I'm like, can't be that hard, right? Reality check, man. This is people's <laughs> careers. This is their livelihood. And I'm like, how do I play house music? It is really tough. <laughs> house gigs. Throw your own parties, right? Throw your own, yeah. Throw your own and open them up and then book acts that you love and get make those connections and then kind of like yep. snowballed from there. Yeah, it, yeah. it definitely takes time. But um, man, is it is it a fun process when you look back? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> There's some stressful moments. I always tell this funny story of me and my friend. We started doing parties like in Old Town when I first moved to Chicago or like two years after. We're going to Guitar Center, renting giant subwoofers, putting them in the back of my friend's Camry, putting our <laughs> seats all the way up and forward like this so we can fit the subs. We're carrying the subs up. We're hitting our knees like on the subs. Get it all up there. 20 people show up. We're like, wow, people came. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> I remember I had bought from uh, some of the like huge B-52 subs. They're yeah. they like huge. They look like like the size of like my desk basically and they're <laughs> heavy and they had wheels in the money to like roll them around and stuff we had two of those <laughs> and then two tops and like we like all the money we made from the parties we ended up buying like the sound system basically and it, mm-hmm. it was like for for the price it like sounded really good but for the size it was just huge like to move this thing around because the subs are just like clunkers. like four feet by four feet by four yeah they're just like clunkers yeah so <laughs> <laughs> that's ever, a like, midwest word clunker rolling, i don't, I don't rolling, think i ever said that yeah. <laughs> rolling those around though to like to like different loft parties and stuff was uh yep the pain yeah hey you make it work you make it work yeah <laughs> so started djing first i know we're here to talk about autograph but for those that don't know you started a project called midnight conspiracy before right yeah so started doing happen? like and again with the time i don't know like i'm like i'm always like, the time but that's probably about like 10 years ago now, maybe a little mm-hmm. longer about mm-hmm. then, um, started Midnight Conspiracy. And that we started like kind of as this like a lin- indie electro group that kind of slowly got more into like heavy bass music um, through like the rise of Skrillex and stuff. So it had been like right around the time Skrillex released like Nice Frights and Scary Monsters. Yeah. Was, uh, was that project. I was like super influenced by that. And like, man, that, that sounded just so refreshing and unique to me at the time. I was like, I want to make stuff like this. I want to do stuff like this. So yeah, started doing some stuff like that and like bass music. Um, and then that project did really well. I loved it. We like signed to Ultra. Um, we toured with like Zed's Dead and stuff. And it was really good. Um, Crazy. But I guess my heart just wasn't in the style of music anymore as mm-hmm. I was getting older. Yeah. Um, and then we started Autograph kind of. And didn't even tell anyone who was in autograph time because the Night Conspiracy was still like doing really well, actually. We were like still touring the country and stuff as that group. So I remember the first, the very first autograph show was opening for Midnight Conspiracy. It was at Navy Pier in Chicago. Wait, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we had we had a show at Navy Pier and it was like their summer series or something like that. And it was a free show. So it was like yeah. it wasn't like a thousand people that showed up for maybe more. It was like huge and like Whoa. The, and like they didn't expect that, I think at Navy Pier they were like, oh, it's like they did like these DJs there and stuff. They're like, not like it's like just like a weekend thing or whatever. People right are there, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we had like we had actually like promoted it and had like over a thousand people show up for it. And the security was like, what is going on here? This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but we but autograph opened up from that conspiracy and Lewis played the autograph set and I remember he kind of like went incognito he like wore like a button up shirt and like a hat that like kind of went down 
and he like went up there and he played the autograph set which was like you know we're at the house house stuff um yeah and then jumped off stage and i jumped up there and he like took off the hat and put on like a leather jacket and like a black shirt and like jumped up there and we rocked it and that was yeah that was like the very first autograph show before it was like even autograph it was just like this new project we like wanted to start wow so you were at the same time while you're having success as midnight conspiracy producing autograph music and thinking about making this transition was that like strange for you guys i mean thinking about the long term i mean a lot of people of course would go you're crazy keep doing this project right yeah you know it was just like one of those things where we so we we were just doing we did i think for that show we didn't even have any music out yet it was just like we wanted to play a different style of music because sure yeah like we couldn't play house music as the next conspiracy because those fans probably wouldn't have like enjoyed that so it's like let's make this new project and just kind of play music under yeah. this new project that's different and then um we did this one remix it was like a remix of magic stick by 50 cent and it was like listen to that slow, today actually <laughs> slowed down and like reverbed out a little bit and um yeah it was like this cool we just got to kind of put it up there on soundcloud and like blog it did really well on the blogs and stuff and uh mm-hmm. kind of took off from there and it was yeah we didn't really expect i don't think the the like the idea of autograph was for it to be this like thing but it became initially it was just kind of like the side project where we wanted to do something a little bit different yeah you never know what's going to work in music with yeah. productions and where it's going to go i always figure like no matter what stay true to what makes you happy especially yeah. especially when it comes to music because that's what'll last long whether or not you have success we all define success differently but that's inspiring man actually i really really yeah. appreciate you sharing that that's cool Thanks. Yeah. So who knows what's next? The, you mentioned the blogs, though. We got, remember Hype Machine? Didn't you guys have 14 I, number one Hype Machine hits? That's- yeah. So that was definitely the Hype Machine era where we were just like releasing this music on Hype Machine and, or, <laughs> uh, or uploading to SoundCloud and then out to blogs and Hype Machine aggregated. Yeah. Just, like, a, like a select group of blogs. And, and that was, yeah, that was kind of how the music got out there. Um, and I remember like for Autograph, actually, our first tour wasn't even in the Midwest. It was a California tour, which is really cool. So we had, uh, Wow. This agent, this agent approached us and he was like, "Hey, I really want to like book you guys for stuff. You have like a really good following in like San Francisco and up and down the coast. I think um, you could do like some shows out there." We were like, "Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Like, sure. let's do it." So that was our first tour. It was like a, a little like West Coast tour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the hype machine days. I remember that. That's yeah. like when you knew you made it. I think didn't the Chainsmokers one of their tracks like hit number one on hype machine and. You just probably like, all their tracks did back then. Probably all their tracks <laughs> did back then. Yeah, I mean, you like guys, your, your SoundCloud is, is healthy, Michael. It's like millions of plays on like your remixes from eight years ago. And I'm like, God damn, that's badass. Yeah, it's crazy because I don't even use SoundCloud much anymore. <laughs> nobody does. Yes, nobody does. <laughs> A lot of love for SoundCloud because it like really kicked off our career. But yeah, it's funny. I don't even really use SoundCloud anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Jaime too, he, uh, he told me like, he has like 50,000 followers on his SoundCloud, like for dynasty podcast, they flew him out to San Francisco, like to give like, like to talk about how to do a podcast. That's just, it's like yeah. podcasting is like 15, 20 years old as an industry, which is crazy. And I know we're going to get into a lot of stuff like NFTs and, and cryptocurrency and stuff. That's still so brand new. But to me, like, that's like inspiring as hell. These new industries that come up, like when there's so much yeah. opportunity, but it seems like, well, what is it? But it's exciting. Yeah. So I remember because like Heimo was working at Q101 at the time when I met him um, doing like their local 101 show. Mm-hmm. And that's how I met him. 
through that through a, through a friend of mine from high school, Zarin. Um, and we, we would go there on Sundays and just kind of like hang out at the Q101 studios and merchandise yeah. mark, just like a bunch of friends. Well, he like ran the show or whatever. Yeah. And he, I remember him talking about podcasting back then and like trying to even pitch it to Q101. People listeners probably don't even know, remember Q101 because it's gone now <laughs> because they didn't keep up with the times. And it's like they should have listened to him and it's like, and like done something. They could have been, you know, they had like everyone big back in the day, like come through. And now they're gone because they didn't really keep up with the time. So I think it's important to like really keep up with whatever's new. It's so important. Or you're forgotten. I like talk to people now who are like, you know, in their early 20s. And if I say Q101, they'd be like, what is that? Oh, <laughs> listen, I went to go visit my grandparents at a re retirement community in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I talked to the guy who was the president of Tidewater. He was uh -huh. like 88 years old. He used to run a radio station in Baltimore, Maryland. This guy had 700 questions about podcasting. He did not understand how I can talk, put it out to the world, and people listen to it. I'm, I'm like, I can't help you. I just, I can't, yeah, I can't get this conversation out. You know, it's a lost cause. <laughs> it's a lost cause. Yeah, like let's let's enjoy shrimp night, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but it is true. Yeah, that's that's a good piece of advice. But um, so obviously we, I want to talk about music with you today and there's so much we could talk about um, as much as I'd love to run through every track and get a breakdown, um, just not enough time, but there are a lot of producers on the show or listen to the show that, um, you know, love to hear the inspiration styles, you know, where you're at mentally. And since we have so much music to cover, I figured we just do some remixes first and then some originals. And like I said, not all, but I was going yeah. back through the archives, Michael, I like to tiptoe the line of a stalker and, and intense <laughs> researcher okay yeah, i went all yeah. the way back i think the first remix you guys ever did was amtrak walking like eight years ago that was the first official remix we did yeah we did first? the bootlegs before that that was the first yeah. official yeah all right you know we got to check this one out this is autograph's first official remix this one's by amtrak called walking in the autograph remix lonely nights you know that i'm mighty man It's like it, it's seriously cool. Is that eight? Is that that long ago? Yeah, it's really eight, eight years ago, man. Wow, that's crazy. Eight years ago, people ask me how long. Time. People ask me how long autographs been around. Then I'm usually like, I don't know, like five, six years. I guess it's eight years. <laughs> it's eight, nine years. Yeah, that's eight, nine years. Now. That's high wow. school and college right there. Seriously. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Hey, Did it for a while. It still, it still stands the test of time. Like it's soulful with a twist. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is because I think it honestly laid a pretty solid foundation for the breadth of sound design and, and style that you guys have. Do you remember mm -hmm. like that far back? I mean, obviously you remember the shows, but being in the studio, um, you know, with Lewis and like thinking about what do we want our sound to be? Were you just having fun? How did this end up being the first official remix? So I remember, so actually, so there, there's kind of three of us in autograph. So Jake, Right. Who, um, was an autograph with us. He's still part of autograph, just isn't tour with us anymore um, okay. cool. for, for his own reasons. But uh, we had Amtrak actually grew up in Kentucky where Jake is from and they knew each other in Kentucky. And that's how we what? got that first remix. That's <laughs> so awesome. They just, knew, 
there were two Kentucky boys that knew each other. Um, and he, Amtrak had just like started like kind of blowing up at that point. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jake reached out to him and was like, yeah, can we do a remix of one of your songs? And, uh, sent over the stems to it and we did that. And yeah, that was, that was the first official remix we got. Wow. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Small world. You never really Kentucky house producers. Yeah. There's like <laughs> two of them. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> Kentucky is like Amtrak is from there and figure from the dubstep side is from figures Kentucky. from Kentucky. Yeah. I think that's it. That's all people I can think of really. Well, figures wired differently. Like a lot of people from Kentucky. So that kind of yeah. makes sense a little yeah. bit, <laughs> <laughs> but there's only, there's only other people I know from Kentucky, but yeah, but we are um, trying to like one of the big inspirations. I mean, like, I remember seeing Cyril Han in Vancouver. I don't even know if that guy's still making music or not. I don't think I, he is. Wow. I remember those deep house remixes. from. Yeah. Ways, so like yeah. he was a big inspiration at that time. Um, I remember going to a Red Bull party in Vancouver that he was playing and it was just such a cool vibe. And I was mm. like, man, this is, that was like, that was probably before the walk-in remix came out or before that was like kind of the, one of the things that we we're like, man, we want to do like a party like this in Chicago. Yeah. Um, and it was like a big influence for us and kind of, the stuff that's come out then and then like disclosure kind of was popping off at that point guys mm -hmm. like that so yeah that was, that was that was all like a big inspiration i love that that's awesome yeah. and it is a great track you guys should you should listen back to it i don't know when the last time you you did but man i probably not listened to that track in over two years <laughs> go in hey i don't know I'll if go. you got a manager or somebody running your guys soundcloud still but it's very well organized it helped me a lot actually we, our manager does run it shout out hunter who runs our shout out hunter it's so well we got cover our art for remixes originals yeah it looks good he still uploads stuff there i think i, I assume our new songs are yes, he... <laughs> that's so funny it looks really good great job Hunter. yeah awesome uh so next one i want to ask about a less so cool the autograph remix you know alesso of course is an artist who's just revolutionized his sound throughout the years and really never rode the wave. And he's one of my favorites, but this is a special remix for you guys. And the reason I brought this up is I saw a quote from you guys that you were really inspired by French house and, you know, the filter yeah. house. Um, and certainly yeah. we hear flavors uh, throughout the entire autograph discography. Do you remember, I, I like specifically thinking, wow, we love French house. How can we incorporate this? Yeah. I mean, groups like justice for like a huge and influence and, uh, Kavinsky and I mean like the whole uh like so me and all those guys that were from oh, like that era yeah um, that whole that French French touch like uh the sound French touch yes yeah so I love that sound and, and the filter house sound and stuff and uh and that was kind of yeah we we had like done a, we were still doing like that was like those were that was like probably one of the very first like big remixes we got I think was that one and the Avicii one we got to do yeah um, of course those were right around the same time and it was like we were kind of like I think doing we had done like all these like bootleg remixes of like um, Marvin Gaye and stuff and like those were really popping off on SoundCloud at the time and uh, yeah our manager had like reached out to their management and was like hey these guys have like been crushing it with the remixes we'd love to like do an on spec remix for you and they were like yeah do it and then they accepted it and yeah that's how those came out wow. Yeah. And it's great. I think the oldest song that we still play in a lot of our sets to this day is the Avicii remix we did um, from that time. Cause it, it's kind of, I don't know, the, the vocals for that song, I think still just stand the test of time. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it is a pretty good live set song. I was just about to ask you about that. I mean, obviously Avicii has been a huge inspiration for autograph and not just electronic music, but his music is something that gives 
sound a new meaning you know like yeah life like it's hard to put into words the impact he's made did you guys approach that remix like differently knowing like how much influence he's had on you how much he was having at that point I haven't approached it differently necessarily because we still want it to be like the autograph sound but right it was just it was just one of those things where like man this is like a big artist who like has I've like basically like he was like one of those two artists that had crossed over from like electronic artists like pop artists at the time there were like it was yeah. him and like Swedish house mafia there weren't like many of them at that point that were like like mainstays like playing on the radio song Pretty you know much Calvin Avicii the and, Calvin Harris yeah yeah, yeah yeah not many. so not many so so when we got the opportunity that it was just like a big deal for us being like oh, wow like someone of this caliber mm-hmm. they're letting us do a remix of their music and yeah put our special. touch on it so that, that was really special yeah yeah put on your gravestone type shit i mean yeah sure Avicii remix that's that's special yeah and rest in peace Avicii. but like i think for us it's one of those things where having got to do like something while he was still around and knowing that he he gave us feedback like listened to it and like gave us feedback on it like kind of crazy <laughs> i know that's pretty yeah. crazy yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely so. amazing I, I i love that track too that's that one and, and this next one are ones that have always been in my USB for a long time. You're All We Need, uh, Odessa remix. Oh, let's check this one out together. This is one of my favorite autograph remixes. This one's Odessa, All We Need, in the autograph remix. No, this is not a tactic to expose you, babe. I'm just trying to see you. that so it was like on a two room poolside of visa like compilation oh, right like yeah. when you're like first becoming a dj and you're like i gotta download these 60 track tool room house music you know beat port 15 dollars for 70 tracks yeah, yeah through them i was like oh shit autographs on here <laughs> that track is so versatile michael like very versatile like i might play it at a hotel rooftop I might play it like for an opening set. I might play for a closing set. Shit, I might play the sunset. Shit, I might play it like on a beach. I've played it in so many different places. It's one of my favorite tracks from you guys. Yeah, I think that was like when we were, because we were kind of going between like doing the house, like BPM stuff, and then like the slower, 
BPM stuff. So that kind of was in like that slower BPM category. Mm-hmm. And at the time we we're incorporating like some live instrumentation to our sets and stuff. So they had like live drums and like this uh, electric uh, xylophone thing called a Malacat that you're playing live. So it was just like a cool, it was just a cool song that we could like play out in like kind of this almost like hybrid show essentially. And mm-hmm. yeah. And, Obviously, Odessa does that better than almost anyone right now with their show. I don't know if you've ever seen them live. Their show yes. is like super next level of how they have everything timed down to like the second of like visuals and drummers and live. Like everything was just it's like so on point. So, yeah. so yeah, that that was like, we were like hugely inspired by their sets at the time and um, what they were doing and wanted to do our own version of that, I think, a little bit and our own flavor of that. Yeah, yeah. That's, Are you guys that was, that's doing cool. live sets anymore? Because you were you were on tour doing live shows. It's been mostly DJ sets at least the past year, right? It's been we haven't done a live show since pre-COVID. Okay. Um, so we are on our base of you tour, like and I got cut in half basically um, yeah. during that. And we had like a like a hybrid show for that, mm-hmm. um, like keyboards, um, like a drum machine and a DJ decks, and then Cole, who sings "Move All Night," she was touring with us, singing a lot of the songs. Awesome. Um, and then for certain shows like LA, we had like a bunch of other singers come on and stuff. So we were doing like a lot of like, yeah, a lot of guest vocalists for that tour and stuff. Um, and for the next album, I don't know. We'll see. We'll do something special though for the tour, probably like in a year or so. But for now, yeah, we're just doing DJ sets for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I, I really love that. You know, even who's someone who's a DJ and appreciates a great DJ set, I think there's some, there's nothing more special than like you said, a hybrid house set, you know, like at Gorgon yeah. city is another good example of that. Like it's yeah. just, it's exciting. And I think it helps people who look at the DJ culture, so to speak, and maybe don't know house music, like house music for whatever reason, you go to something like that. And it's a live show, live singer. You guys yeah. are playing live instruments and it's yeah. fun. It's just straight up fun. That's it. Sometimes I think even just doing it as a stage show, even if you're just doing like a DJ type thing, like mm-hmm. having visuals that are like specifically made for that show that are kind of in sync with the music that you're timing out, just yeah. a cool, cool way yeah. to do it. Yeah, there's something to be said about that for sure. I mean, yeah. where we're at right now with like just literally speakers, like how insane sound is right now. It's like yeah, <laughs> sound and lights and LED walls and the DJ equipment itself. Like I, I just feel like I'm living in the future. It's so, I mean, not to jump too much into it, but like the technology now, like um, with like link capability, because like, so that before we were using Ableton for our live shows mm-hmm. and then with the Pioneer link system, you can actually run that um, into Ableton and pull the signal from the Pioneer equipment and run the time clock and then be able to have like the keyboards you're playing, like the arpeggiations and stuff still in sync with the music for the CDJs and just the way everything can talk to each other now is just really amazing. Whoa. Yeah. So I, I did yeah. not know about that. Yeah, that's pretty badass. Yeah, so we were able to do that for that. So yeah, for the AT tour. So we had the DJ decks running the CDJs with like the core of the music. Mm-hmm. And then that was running to a computer that controlled our lighting and to a computer that controlled our visuals and to a computer that ran kind of the live instruments of like the keyboard and the drum machine and stuff. And it was all kind of using the Pioneer Link system as like the core like foundation of like syncing everything to those tracks essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and Sounds then like being you love it, it the way you explain that. I, I do love it. I do love it. It's <laughs> cool because we were able to like trigger stuff live, but not have it planned out at the same time with that. Because like with the Ableton sets, it's like super right. planned out. It's like right. 
everything is kind of like in timeline view or clip view and you're kind of like launching everything. But with that, you're still able to like launch stuff on queue and have everything lined up mm-hmm. and you can see like the readout of like the waveforms and stuff through um, some different programs and then like actually launch visuals live and lighting live, but it's going to be all in time. So you can like, you can essentially line up like a lyric video on the spot with what you're playing versus having to like know ahead of time where you're going to play it in the set. So it was like doing it like that was just like really being to like free up what the live show hybrid show could be because prior to that we had done like the Ableton live show, which is like pre-planned down to like second essentially. And then the DJ sets, which are really fun because that's not planned at all. And then this is like able to fall somewhere in the middle where we know we're going to play all our own songs and kind of have like a rough idea of everything, but you can always like in the moment, like loop something or, you know, jump to a different part of it. So I don't know, it's just like really cool ability to like still improv the DJ side of it and not have it laid out in like a timeline of Ableton. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. I actually did not know that. I, I have, I've definitely seen some DJs that, you know, do some stuff in time, but it's with a a lighting or, or, you know, sound guy who they work with, go on tour with, and they know when they're going to play, they hear it coming in, things like that. They give them cues, but for you to have that freedom to be the DJ you are on the inside and still be able to give the fans the music yeah. they want is exciting. If you're a, if you're a DJ listening to this, check out, it's called show control with a K instead of a C. That's the, the program where it will give you a readout and you can see where the music is. And Whoa. both like someone like sound guys or, or like lighting guys and like DJs can use it from like back house while you're using it kind of like up on stage as well. So it's a cool way to do it. What's it called again? Show control. Show like control. K. Yeah. So. I'm right. Check it out. Oh <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Let's finish out. I'm talking about some of your originals. Now, like you said, we, you've been doing this for a while now, so we could go through all these, but I want to start with dream. The first original autograph 2015. You already know what time it is. Let's do this one together. This one's called dream by autograph. Their first original track. Obviously, you guys have been toying around with bootlegs remix. How did this end up being your guys' first original track? So it's funny because that 
that's the vocal in that is actually from a sample pack and it wasn't actually going to be the original vocal like the final vocal we were like looking at different singers to do something for that song but that yeah. vocal just really resonated with us so well we decided yeah. to keep it which just fits so well for that song um and we had written that song along with a couple others and uh ultra we had just signed like a deal with ultra and they were like you want a song to put out which song do you want to put out and that was the one that just felt right to put out at the time um and yeah it just kind of had like a lot of like the it had it was like a slower tempo song we had like really incorporated that marimba sound that we had kind of cultivated at that point and just seemed like the right one to put out and um, really encompassed those like beach vibes and summer yeah. vibes that we wanted at the time it was a uh, i think it was on, like a summer compilation type thing as well so oh definitely just, it just seemed like it made the most sense for it yeah yeah, the statement track, one of my favorites from yeah. you guys. I, I, Thank you. I, I, that's humbling knowing it came from a sample pack too, because I feel like there's a split, right? Where people are like, if you use anything from Splice or a sample pack, you're not a real producer. And it's like, dude, easy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, it is tough because that vocal, yeah, vocal was from like a Logic sample pack, um, mm -hmm. and it's it was sometimes samples just work really well, and they, they yeah. just fit the song, you know. I mean, I love working with vocalists on songs and having original vocals because I think it does add like an extra layer of like originality to it. But mm -hmm. sometimes you just find the sample that just really matches the vibe and it's the one. <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. 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 I, I totally agree. All the, all you producers out there take notes because it's the truth. Yeah. But speaking of originality, another one of my favorites from you guys, Metaphysical. I mean, this is a true composition. All right, let's check this one out together. This one's called Metaphysical featuring Janelle Kroll by Autograph. message and you recorded as saying metaphysical isn't about the origin of the universe it's about the reality we create in our own lives when we peel back the layers we're all human inside that's poetry like, I, like i'm emotional right now a little bit reading that like we're all the same yeah. we're all humans yeah uh that was we wrote with janelle Cole. Mm -hmm. she's awesome we have another song with her on the album called walk with you so we've known her for a long time yeah um and there was just, I think, like, just, like, we wanted this underlying message of all the autograph music and all the albums and everything to have, like, a certain level of, like, spirituality to it. Yeah. Um, and we continue to, like, kind of follow that theme with a lot of the music we're writing. And that really is one of those songs that kind of cemented that idea for us. Yeah. And I, I mean, at least from my perspective, 
this one saw massive success. We mentioned Avicii. He supported it. Pete Tong, Chainsmokers. Was this yeah. a track where you felt like, okay, things are really taking off for us? Yeah, because that was like the first house BPM track that really mm -hmm. took off for us. So right. it was one of those ones where like other DJs at the time were playing out, whereas like songs like Dream were slower and like you didn't really have other DJs playing out. It was really like something that was like more like we would play out on our shows, like live hybrid shows. But with that show, yeah, like had big DJs like Chainsmokers and Avicii playing it out and stuff. So it was just really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. There's nothing, nothing cooler than that. When you see it, nah. you're like, okay, it's good. It's good. It's yeah. good. <laughs> Me and our, and my mom and my dad <laughs> like the song. And, it, and it's funny because to this day, we still play that in a lot of our sets. Um, mm -hmm. But we've made, we've made this really fun edit of it for our, our sets. And it kind of works where um, we have like the version of the song that goes into this like kind of a reworked build up of the song that builds up really long. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of just cuts off. And for sets, like over the last couple of years, we've always put other songs that it drops into at the end there. So it's kind of like this oh. versatile track where we can like swap out the drop basically to like something that's like more modern and new, but keep that like awesome buildup that we wrote for it. Very cool. I like that. Yeah. Playing on your own original. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So I want to talk about your future soup EP um, because it was your first EP that you guys released, right? Yep. That was the first one. Yeah. And by the way, the artwork on this EP is, is awesome. You guys do all of your own artwork. I know everybody in the group is, is very creative in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So we do all our own artwork for all the albums and songs and everything. So, um, and that's funny because that we, the first party we threw its autograph was, uh, it was called future factory. It was this take on this like Andy Warhol factory esque party. It was at house of blues in Chicago. Nice. And we had like transformed house of blues into like, we took the stage and put all these art installations on the stage and then did like a boiler room style thing where the DJ booth was down in like the ground where everyone was dancing and people could go walk on the stage and experience the art and then dance on the floor around the DJ booth. And it was just like oh, a really cool experience. That's it was, awesome. It was so much fun. And to this day, that's like one of my favorite parties we ever put together. I remember we, like, we spent like months planning that party, like literally <laughs> built, built this like eight foot tall, five foot wide soup can in my mom's garage. It was huge. It was like two pieces, probably weighed like over a thousand pounds out of wood and had to roll it there and get a U-Haul truck to bring all this stuff in and made this 10 foot long cigarette that I like shot smoke out of it. So like, we're really inspired by like the whole pop art movement and like more so the community that was like, that like stuff like Andy Warhol's factory built in New York. I think that kind of community that like inspired other artists and stuff. And we took a lot of inspiration from that personally so yeah that was kind of the inspiration for the future cpp still throwing your own parties all these years later yeah we still yeah we still throw some of our own parties we actually we have some cool stuff in the works for uh early or like next year yeah it's gonna be a new branded party that we're working on with some cool people so excited That's to awesome. announce that next year very cool very cool so, but that EP, it was amazing because it has such a mature sound design and every track is different. It reminded me of this Chris Lake quote where he said, once you learn the rules, you know how to break them. And like Horizons is like a nuts track. Like that is like a electro banger that grows into it. Heartbeat is a raw emotional track. Ocean Glass yeah. tells a story without even really words in it. I mean, what's the story behind this EP? Did you guys go in intending to make different sounds for every track? Yeah, we really wanted to kind of showcase like a lot of things pulled from like stuff in the past. So like songs like Heartbeat pulled like a lot from Dream, but it like was a little bit faster and but like had a lot of elements of Dreams and like reused a lot of those like marimba sounds that are from Dream and stuff. And 
Horizons really played more into like that, like dance, like kind of like electro sound, some previous tracks. So it was really something we wanted to like encompass everything from the past that we had done previously in like the remix territory more so and originals and kind of diversify that sound through an EP that kind of told the story. Amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. Is is the full package and it's still yeah. like hits. I think yeah. honestly, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go and download all those tracks. I had heard Horizons before, but I feel like another versatile track. You guys still drop that one because that one is my style right there. We haven't dropped that one in a while. We had a, a mashup with it that we used to play out a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um we haven't we haven't uh we haven't played, played that one out in a long time. <laughs> I was listening to it in passing as I was cleaning my apartment recently. And I just like put on this EP and I was like, all right, let's, I haven't listened to this in a while. And I'm like vacuuming and I've got the transparency AirPods on, you know, and I'm yeah. like, start vacuuming faster. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I got to turn the vacuum off. Like what is going on? I forgot about this song. <laughs> Getting you going. It's good for vacuuming people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> good for cleaning. It's inspiring. <laughs> I don't know if that was your guys' intention, but hey, it's, it's a hey whatever works. Yeah. yeah. Whatever works. <laughs> So you mentioned uh, the track Move All Night with Sunburn and Cole. Certainly one of your guys' biggest hits. Well, you know, we got to check this one out. This one's called Move All Night by Autograph and Sunburn featuring Cole. We can move all night, if you want me to. I'm curious to know, uh, as, a, as a fan of who's been a fan of Sunburn for a long time, what's your guys' relationship with him? How did this track all come together? And, um, you know, what's the background story? Yeah, we've known each other for a while now and uh, just like friends and stuff. Um, I'm actually going to see him later tonight for a mutual friend's birthday party awesome. um, at our studio. So, yeah, we've just been friends since, uh, since kind of we all got into this early on, like SoundCloud and stuff era. Yes. Um, and he had started that song with Cole. I think they recorded those vocals in like one session and uh, he passed it off to us and we did some work on it. Yeah, and just kind of one of those songs that oh. just hit in all the right places, I guess. And and yeah, today I think it's our most streamed track on Spotify. So it doesn't or, always uh, happen like that, does it? It's always happen like that. Yeah, yeah. But it was just just perfect combination. <laughs> it's awesome. And that's yeah. a track that I hear all the time, not just in Chicago, you go to festivals, clubs, all over the country, all over the world, really. And it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's success is well-deserved, my friend. It's, awesome. it's kind of crazy because for the first year that track came out, it didn't really move that far. Like it was just kind of like a normal song. It was like kind of stagnant for like almost a year. And then what? after a year, yeah, after that first year it came out and then it did okay or whatever. And then like that second year, it just like started going crazy. And then like, it's still, I think it's growing faster like it's grown faster over the pandemic than it did previously, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. <laughs> so I think it's at like, I don't know how many, like 30 something million plays now or something like that, but it was at like 10 million plays before that. So it's like done more numbers recently than it did previously. So it's like one of those songs that just kept growing. Yeah. I, I like it a lot. It's, it's, it's always tough. You don't want to make songs that tiptoe the line of streamable and playable. 
but yeah those are the songs that ultimately do very very well and i'm sort of both of those forefronts so yeah, yeah it's awesome that's funny you, again you never know what's gonna work do you yeah you never know <laughs> you never know so make sure you love what you do yeah so last one i want to ask you about your guys album ace of you uh first album done in spectacular fashion so shout out to all three of you guys and your team behind it i'm sure it was a collective effort um feature tracks like ain't deep enough uh with jared lee if you never loved me with kalina um what's what's this album mean to you guys what's the meaning behind ace of you yeah so that was our it's our first album and something that we had like worked on some of those tracks we had worked on I don't know, years ago and kind of revisited and brought back in and reworked them and stuff. And awesome. it was something we really wanted to tell this story, you know, over time of everything we've kind of done. Um, and it also just because we were on that tour before the album came out when everything happened. And then yeah. we postponed the release of the album thinking that we would do like a fall tour. And then that obviously didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we ended up kind of putting the album out. So I don't know like, kind of it was like an interesting time for music also at that time but it kind of related back to the album so like the idea of the album is so each song related back to like a tarot card um that, that kind of had like the meaning behind it and the idea was like in life you're kind of like that dealt this deck of cards or like this hand of cards or whatever and you can't really change what you're dealt but how you play that hand you know is up to you as a person how you interpret that hand is up to you as a person so that was one of the big inspirations of like we want people to like like listen to these songs and like they obviously have a lot of like personal meaning for us as well but also like to interpret them like the meaning that they get out of those songs so that's a big part of it it's awesome yeah it's amazing that it makes sense why it's your guys first album because this is your story it's who you are yeah yeah Yeah. very cool what's your personal favorite track from the album it's so hard to say because it's always always changing um nice i don't know if i have a favorite song off the album (laughs) it's it's, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I love I love all the music that's on the album. So. Good answer. Yeah, good answer. Not taking not taking any sides. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Um, so I love to hear other people's favorite songs off the album. So, so if anyone yes. has a favorite song, let me know. I, I'm always curious to know what other people's favorite songs of ours are. So. Please let them know, people. Yeah, yeah. I, mine mine is is probably if you never love me. I mean. Uh-huh. All right, let's check out my favorite track from Ace of You. This one's called If You Never Loved Me by Autograph featuring Kalina Zanders. you know like i i feel like i I gotta start singing like her when i hear that song it's funny because that song we was another writer who like wrote a lot of the lyrics for that song and she had sang it we're like "Ah, i don't know it's like not not right you know and then um kalina so she's always worked she works out of our studio as well in los angeles here that we have um are like yeah we have this song would you be like interested and she like did her version of it and we're just like wow like this is this is it sign it yeah like you crushed it like you just elevated this song so much yeah that's amazing and for people that don't know who she is you got to go check her out she's doing really really big things right now yeah that's amazing that's amazing 
what what is so you just mentioned the studio and we talked about it a few times project parallel collaborative workspace yeah. in west hollywood you guys have had that for a few years now what exactly is it yeah so it's in uh, it's in silver lake um silver lake okay but not west hollywood but uh yeah so when i moved out here um my friend uh tivo and i founded this place called project parallel it's actually one of the he's he was uh sunburns tour manager for a while and he actually tour managed us at one point as well Awesome. Um, so it's, yeah, it's like all in the family. It's actually his birthday tonight. That's the birthday we're going to. <laughs> okay, there we go. Happy birthday. So, uh, so yeah, so, so yeah, so, but I moved out here, um, and just had this, idea. we were like looking at places, um, like all over the place and ended up finding this, uh, it's like the bottom storefront of this like old hotel that's now like studio apartments and just like a really cool, unique space. It was like super rundown. It was like used for storage. Previously, there's like old refrigerators and stoves in there. And like, we looked at it and there's no walls or anything. We're like, yeah, I think we can like uh, turn this into something. And uh, the, the landlord was really cool and like uh, gave us like a build out budget. And like we built rooms, we built a music studio. So um, the storefront, so like the front is like a, like a photo studio or used for like pop-up shops and stuff like that, or like art yeah. shows and events and stuff. So that's like the front area of it. And then there's like a side room that's kind of like this healing room that we have set up. And we have like a music studio in the back. So it's kind of just like multi-use space. Wow. That is incredible. Yeah. How, can anybody use it? Or I mean, is it like a membership or? It's membership based. So I, I mean, you can rent it by the hour as well. Um, okay. So we do like hourly rentals for either the photo or the music studio. And then we have uh, people who are like monthly members who pay like a flat fee and they can come in and use it as they need. And they get like a little fingerprint and come whenever they want type thing. Well, damn, fingerprint. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that fingerprint great. reader on the on the door. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah, awesome. That's so yeah. So and it's just like a cool space because kind of like pulled this inspiration of like we wanted this space that was like communal, like cool space to like meet people and collaborate and stuff. And like there's this space like Soho House or like Noy House and stuff that are like cool for like meetings and stuff. But like you mm-hmm. can't actually get creative at those kind of places. I feel like. Right. We wanted this place that kind of like played off this ability for like different creatives to be under one roof, essentially. So like you have someone like producing something in the back and then like they need a photo shoot for that song. They just wrote, they can come out and like use one of the photographers of the studio did the photo shoot. And yeah, it's just like this like multi-use space. Yeah, that's awesome. And I bet people who may not have met each other or have wanted to, it's a great way to collaborate and just get to know each other. Yeah, so I met Kalina. So that's awesome. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, awesome. the guys from guys from uh, Win and Woo work with her a lot. They're also Chicago guys. Um, yeah, the studio, and uh, they're them and Clean are always writing stuff at the studio. That's how I met her. That's awesome. Shout out to Win and Woo. Yeah, good guys. Good guys, amazing. So something that I know you're really passionate about, and and we've mentioned it in, in one way or another, uh, is you know NFTs and cryptocurrency and digital mediums. And you guys just recently actually had. Uh, first of its kind hybrid digital physical concert with I'm Not Art showcase physical representations of non fungible token NFTs. Um, yeah. Wow. First off, awesome. <laughs> I saw Danny was there, DJ. She had her own. Looks so cool. I, I wanted to go, actually, was out of town, but I heard it was great. And I know I'm really curious to learn more about NFTs. And um, a lot of people out there, especially up and coming artists, could you kind of give us like a spark notes or, you know, an, an easy way to under, not that it really maybe even is that easy. Yeah. yeah. And what well, was first the say point like, of that event as well? Yeah. Like shout out. I'm not Arthur based in Chicago. They have a physical gallery there um, on Chicago Avenue and like, it's like Chicago national area right there. 
Um, and we're actually going to be doing a lot more stuff with them out there. Um, they've been really good to us. And we did that. It was called Daytime Vibes. It was kind of this physical um, party that we had at their gallery, but then it was also streamed to the metaverse in um, a space called Crypto Voxel. So if you weren't based in Chicago, you could still attend virtually, essentially. Um, and it was really cool being able to like kind of interact with people virtually, but then at the show as well. Um, it's just something way different, I think, than, yeah. you know, what else is going on right now. And, um, you know, I think with like, I, we did a lot of streams early on, like, um, like a lot of like Insomniac streams and like, um, proximity had a few streams we did and like just like a lot of those kind of streams and they're really fun to do. And I think it's awesome that there's like this, there's a good way to get music out there. And I yeah. feel like with, uh, like web three and like the metaverse right now, it's like the next level of that. Cause you can attend these concerts in a more like interactive way essentially and like really mm -hmm. interact with people through them so for me that's like the next level of like streaming um for that uh, that side is like this metaverse type stuff um and then nft is like a whole other wormhole to go down but i like, know the, yeah <laughs> I, don't, I was i wrote, wrote this question out five different ways and i was like i'm just gonna ask him do your best <laughs> yeah yeah like like uh, like the basic rundown for those that know they're like non-fungible tokens um they're written to the blockchain so like you can verify ownership of them but i think in the future like the utility of this stuff like it's a way for artists one to like really like have like a connection with the person that's buying from them and then like your fans can like kind of help fund your career in a new way through them mm -hmm. um there's awesome like like Blau is like releasing this royal platform, which is going to yeah. give like people the chance to like buy NFTs, but then own like some of the rights to that music on the publishing side and get paid back from it and like actually accrue royalties and like kind of the way a label would sign you now. But instead of having to go through a label, you can go through your fan base to fund your album and then they could see like money back from that. So much cool stuff like that, I think, is happening. I think ticketing um, is going to be through like NFTs in the future because like right now, like you see people getting scammed all the time. Like they're like Facebook groups and stuff where like, mm -hmm. Oh, I have tickets. You want to buy them? And like, they email you the code or whatever, but with like NFTs, like if it was a ticket, like it's Constantly. so easy to just send, Like you can verify that ticket right then and there. So stuff like that. Um, and just all the applications, I think being built out in like the metaverse and stuff and like owning like digital collectibles, like everything we're doing, like a drop with um, the central land and GG games um, in like a week or two which is like an autographed jersey and headphones that you can wear in the metaverse, but there'll be utility to those as well. So people collect those can like win tickets to like actual shows, um, get discounts on merch, um, get like, we'll do like some private like discord type events and stuff that only like holders can be a part of and stuff like that. So it's just like kind of unlock, like unlockable content through it. And there's just yeah. so much in the future. I think that it's going to like kind of be run through this stuff. So I'm like super about it kind of, like I was like, it's kind of crazy. Like investing in crypto for a long time, and like really like mm -hmm. December, like about a year ago, um, like I first learned what an NFT was, and um, kind of started seeing this stuff. And I was like, wow, that's like this is like the future, and I really like dove into it. And I love it, and yeah, I think it's gonna change the music industry and all and the arts in general. So I'm big on it. <laughs> Great explanation, Michael. I got to tell you, yeah. that was easy to follow. You demonstrated the value. You sold it. I'm fucking interested now. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be you a year from now. I'm pumped. Yeah. So we're, yeah. So we're doing our uh, so we, our NFT collection. It's gonna be called the Ace of You. It's gonna be 78 pieces um, that we're gonna release over the course of the next couple of years. We're gonna be doing the first three with um, I'm Not Art coming up really soon. And they're going to help us curate that whole collection. And yeah, people can bid on them really soon. So if you're interested, check it out. 
Very cool. Yeah, this is something I couldn't explain to the 88-year-old president of Tidewater. (laughs) (laughs) He's not the market. That's so cool, though. I mean, I feel like, I don't know if you met. this is like so long ago, but I first heard about Bitcoin on like, I think it was called Silk Road. Remember that? It was like one of your friends told you like you could buy like drugs off this website with currency that didn't exist. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't That's make any sense to me. Now, here we are. Not that we're buying yeah. drugs off the Silk Road, but you know, like it's been around and it's got yeah. legs now. And it's 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 definitely something to educate yourself on. And it sounds like, yeah. I mean, in your opinion, it's, it's never too late to get involved. It's never too late. Yeah, I remember, I mean, people thought, I mean, this was, man, I don't remember when this tour was. We were on tour. We had uh, Kofresi, who's another Chicago guy. He was opening yeah. up that tour for us. And then he had played live drums. So he opened up with his set and they played live drums for our set as well um and i remember him and i just like we were like buying bitcoin at the time i think it was like five thousand dollars a ton of bitcoin which is now now it's like past sixty thousand a piece but yeah i remember just like at that time like oh this is a bubble it's not going to go anywhere and it got up to like twenty thousand dollars and then it crashed back down really mm-hmm. low it's like eight and it's just like yeah we were like it's over and then here we are you know i think everyone's been like building on this stuff for like the last couple of years and it's, it's back and and now i think it's bigger than ever like um the staples center in la just got renamed the crypto.com arena so did it really so, yeah crypto.com uh, bought the naming rights for the next 20 years of the staples center so it's getting renamed next month um it's 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 big so i i that think it's big i think if you're not into it people should start looking into it because it's going to be like the future of stuff I don't think it's too late. It's still pretty early on a lot of the stuff. When the Staples Centers get renamed, yeah. Yeah. People yeah. start paying attention now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. yeah, that's that's definitely humble advice for um, someone who's, you know, learning a lot more about it for myself. And um, yeah, it's it's awesome. I think, you know, myself, I'm, I'm not I'm no expert of the music industry, but there's a lot of back-end stuff from signing on labels and yeah. just hearing about other people's stories of, of failure or misinformation and i think it's more important than ever to understand how you can grow and how you can make money as an artist that doesn't just relate in touring or signing the label yeah. and, and streams and stuff right we all people know it's a tough game but i think even for labels like the transparency of it is just important like i know so yeah. many like artists who sign to like smaller labels and those smaller labels might release hundreds of tracks a year and like the track gets a couple thousand plays and you know they're not going to go after those royalties it's like so little and yeah it's like the counting like you don't bother me but like mm-hmm. with like blockchain technology like it's all like on a ledger like you could very easily like on those songs like create the splits to begin with you wouldn't have to go through like an account you could get paid for it and stuff like it's just yeah. gonna like make things more transparent and easier and just you know i think the music industry in general is gonna like get a lot out of this yeah absolutely Awesome. Thank you for that great explanation again. I appreciate it. <laughs> we appreciate it outside of the crypto world. <laughs> I'm happy. Anyway, I can help. Absolutely. Um, so what, what can you tell us about the rest of this year and going into next year? Any new music? You guys obviously just released a track. What's it called again? I, I'm blanking. Uh, Drifting Away. Drifting yeah. Away. That is a heater. That one does that well one. live. Yeah, that's a good one. We just uh, with Kyle Reynolds. Um, we met him in a song writing camp in Nashville a couple of years back. Um, and yeah, that song just came out. It's exciting. Um, we have two more songs done that are coming out. And then we have an album that we're going to start writing pretty soon. And probably announce that early next year. Very cool. And for, you know, we got a, a lot of people here that watch Stone Chicago. You're um, 
doing a lot here. Sounds like, so that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be back probably early next year for some stuff that I'm not art and then hopefully some shows as well. So. Let's get yeah. it going. I need to get another yeah. autograph show. And it's been a while. <laughs> the last time I saw you guys play uh, was the Concord Music Hall show for After Bollywood. That was oh, wow. Show. That was a while ago. Yeah, that was with, with Blau. He opened. He was the yes. headliner for that show. That was a good show. Love was, the Concord. Was a good one. Concord's yeah. still rocking and rolling, baby. I'm glad about I'm very happy. That's one of my favorite venues. In the show. I don't think I've been there. been there since that show. So it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, they... Um, They've been doing a lot. They've been doing a lot more boiler room style stuff, actually, like bringing in um, house and techno acts, bring the stage down. Um, cool. It's it's really cool. Yeah. There's also the new venue Radius that just opened up. I haven't been there yet either, but oh, I've heard good things about that. That's like the yeah. big new one. It's crazy. <laughs> like, <Is it? laughs> Aragon, Aragon's awesome, obviously, because like everything yeah. about it. But Radius is like a warehouse with like absolute futuristic lights sound they have another part of the building that's soundproof called cermak hall where they do warehouse type shows and okay. it's just really it's really cool to see chicago get a place like that you know and bring in international acts that normally wouldn't come just because you know aragon may not be the place for them you know they got solomon coming in i saw tiesto there um yeah chris lake's playing on new year's eve it's it's really cool yeah, they, I, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like X like Solomon, it's tough because they're not really going to play in Aragon, but they're probably too big for Prism at this point. So it's like, where do you exactly. place those kind of X? So. Exactly. Yeah. They, the, I think they had Carl Cox right before the pandemic. So like acts, acts like that. So it's yeah, cool. it's what Chicago needed. Shout out to everybody at Oris who uh, has been doing a great job for house music here. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All those guys I know. Just talking to Lawrence the other day. So yeah. Lawrence. Yes. He is killing it right now, Michael. Uh, I'm sure you know Mike Lang. Mike Lane, he just recently he's going on new ventures, moved away from Oris, and and Lawrence is stepping into a much bigger role. I mean, he his what he did at sound, he's you know, he's he's like fine a lot of ways. He's a man of the people. Yeah. Yeah. So uh he was he was nice enough to lend us the CDJ three thousands for the I'm not art show. So they were the ones that were. what do you think of those i it's a little bit it's overkill in my opinion it's a lot they're cool it's a lot you know i don't i have 2000 still so <laughs> <Same>. I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't had like a chance to like really play on them a bunch but i think yeah. there's a lot that's really cool about them and yeah um i think once it becomes more like used everywhere and i think it's gonna be it, it yeah there's a lot of cool stuff. i think the the pitch stuff is pretty cool like doing you know, like you pitch lock with it and stuff that is um, cool. i don't I haven't personally used it because I don't have them. So I haven't like really worked in my workflow of DJing, but I think there's yeah. a lot of cool features on there. Yes. Yeah. You know, you don't want to like go up in front of a big crowd on 3000 and be like, I think I'm going to try some things out right now. Yeah. Let me like pitch lock this. Then you're like, it's stuck and you're like, what's going on? It's like, sounds off. I played a gig. It was CDJ 3000s in the V10 mixer. And I was like, okay, we're not drinking tonight. I am focused, <laughs> locked in. You're trying. It's, I, I played it there again in this place called Lay Nocturne. Um, uh-huh. But, it was uh it was like yeah it was sensory overload at first i was like we did this actually the first time I played, we did this private party in arizona and for some reasons they had three thousands of the v10 and i was like <laughs> it was like private party it's like it was like my first time playing on these i'm like all right cool like it was like a small house party and so like, this from? Yeah. yeah what does this do <laughs> yeah but it was, it was cool i think it was cool that it was in that kind of atmosphere and not like at a club that people might play on because like i wasn't as worried about like yeah messing up it was like uh you know there's like 50 people in like a house party type thing yeah 
love a good house party, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, maybe maybe more house parties love 3,000 that I'm in the future. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's going to be the industry standard. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one thing in Chicago that hasn't changed, and this is probably across the world, still using broken equipment out there. I'm trying to start saying <laughs> no to the gigs that I know the equipment doesn't work. I'm like, I can't do my thing here anymore. I feel like everyone should just like, if they have broken gear, you get like the, I have the XDJ, what is it? Z, whatever one, the all yeah, one. The little, and it's little, like, yeah, they work. but it's the, they're full size platters. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, I love that thing. And it's, I think it's even, I like it more than like the 2000s and the mixer just because it's easier to move around for like, I don't know. And it has all the features. It doesn't lack anything. So like yeah. if you're a venue and you can't afford like anything, get, get that set up for a couple like 2000 bucks and like, you're set like say a lot for the people that. on the back Mike, yeah please. if you're a venue nope. if you're <laughs> yeah. a venue spend two thousand bucks because you made that in 30 minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't have a broken mixer where like one of the channels doesn't work and you're like trying to figure it out and you're like behind it during your set i, re- I remember like early on playing stuff like that where like i'd like you're trying to like plug in rca cables like from channel <laughs> channels like why is this not set up right why are these <laughs> this stuff not working <laughs> oh yeah we've all got horror stories i i i remember first year moved to chicago at Lollapalooza after party wasn't official at all it was just some place in river north and that makes it official mm-hmm. i was supposed to dj with a friend i only had one usb they did not have a, an ethernet cord to link and i'm asking like the bartender can i use the ethernet cord for your guys credit card she's like no i need that and i'm like <laughs> i am so fucked right now how do i do this how Learn can they lesson. yeah I got four USBs every single show now since then, just in case. That's smart. Yeah, like I remember for a while I was carrying, I don't anymore, but for a while I was carrying an Ethernet cord in my DJ bag because smart. that happened. But now, I mean, I haven't run into this problem in years, but I feel like now like everyone should have like Ethernet cord. Like they know at this point. Like, <laughs> <it's needed. laughs> I used to show up sometimes too with like my tractor and computer just in case. Just in case none of the you just plug it right into the mixer and go for it. <laughs> you never know. You never know. And you got, hey, yeah. you got to be prepared because the people that own the place, if you got to do that, they they expect you to figure it out. Yeah, they don't care. They're just like, play music. You know, like, well, you're something like, well, just play music. Like, <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out, aren't you? The DJ, DJ off your phone. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <DJ>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure. Why don't you just put on Pandora top hits? Yeah. <laughs> I'll sit up here as I like run through. <laughs> my spotify for you by the way no bar tab you gotta buy your own yeah yeah (laughs) you guys really make this industry a fun one (laughs) hopefully things are changing (laughs) they are changing yes they are changing man a lot of those places went under so i see a lot more respect for the djs these days from fans in the venues actually which has been great somebody requested house music up in wrigleyville recently and i was like let's go i came in here thinking i was gonna play some rock and roll and yeah. I was I was humbled and I was like okay. there's so many like 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 crossover tracks now it's like guys like Fisher like with like losing it yes. like that's just like a like everyone knows that song now and that's like a straight tech house song like it's not vocal heavy or anything and I'll take like it. John Summit's deep end like another one I feel like everyone oh, yeah. kind of knows now and stuff so they're just like there's certain like tech house tracks out there now that like I think everyone knows that kind of brings that more into like the mainstream yeah absolutely which is awesome in my opinion like i know some people hate on it but like i i love that but you have these artists doing crossover stuff like that a- absolutely people like david get and tiesto and alesso who are not only releasing yeah. house music uh but playing house music on main stages at major festivals yeah 
That's awesome. That's I, I mean, I, I love like the new Tiesto track business. I think it's such a good track. Oh like, my it's God, awesome. It's so good. <laughs> so good. Like he wrote such a good track there. It's like amazing vocals, amazing instrumental. Just everything about that track is awesome. And yeah. it's like a, it's like a radio song now. So it's cool seeing stuff like that, you know, and even, it even actually think like, it's not like Dua Lipa's tracks, like really like set on that edge of like being like, like disco house music, mm-hmm. with, like a pop twist to it and stuff. So. Yeah, I'm a I'm a yeah. huge fan of SG Lewis, and I think he his new album Times. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty pretty cutting edge with disco house, progressive like cerebral in some parts. Yeah, you know, and yeah, he's someone who does DJ sets and live sets too. And uh, yeah, he's playing. I'm going to see him at the the Riviera Theater. I'm sure you remember that place. Yeah, that the, that the one's outside of Chicago, like the outside. Uh, no, no, maybe something else. It's it's on the, it's north. I think it's like is that right by Aragon. Yeah, it's by Aragon. Okay. It's just just west of it. Um, in uptown, then right. Uptown, yep. It's yeah. In, okay. Uh, off the Lawrence Red Line stop. So okay. Uh, there, there's another one that's like kind of far out, like the outdoors. Something else that are though. Oh, Sleeping Village. I think you're talking about. I don't even remember the name. We used to be called something R, like Ravinia. I don't know what it was called. I have to look it up. But I remember seeing it was like. I remember seeing like more like jam bands there and like jazz stuff there though in the past. But yeah. Yeah. Hey, I like talking Chicago with you, man. You sure yeah. you don't want to come back? <laughs> <laughs> well, bro, my mom still lives there, so it's it's nice coming back. Okay, last question. Yep. What's your favorite Chicago food? Man, I don't know. I, I'm vegan, so it's it's tough because a lot of the good Chicago stuff. It's is, all meat uh, here. Yeah. It's all meat here. <laughs> there, yeah. And um, cheese. Meat and cheese. <laughs> meat and cheese, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. My favorite. Uh, there's a place called Beatniks. It's awesome, though. I love that place. Um, I love I recently, they, actually, they have a lot of good vegan options. They do a lot of good vegan options. And I recently discovered that place. Um, last time we were there we went there for dinner like, on chicago the one on, on the chicago one? on chicago yeah because yeah. it's like it's walking distance from the i'm not art gallery it's like a couple yeah. blocks away so we walked over there afterwards and got some food and drinks and uh yeah that place is awesome so that's, i think right now that's probably my favorite place to go eat in chicago hell yeah yes there we go a little beatnik but there. but if you have any uh any good suggestions of places let me know because i will we've been, been there in a while so gotcha. i gotta gotta explore Gotta explore. Yes. Well, yeah. I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy the West Loop tomorrow. And and you gotta make sure you see where the mid used to be, Michael, because it's like a state of the art building there now. And it's is like it really? it's like condos now, I assume. Uh it's actually an office building, I think. It's an office but building, it's, okay. It's like it's very modern. And I just like yeah. I look at it and I'm like, because mm. <laughs> it was like the mid was there, and then there was like I think there was like the, I assume they tore it down. There was like actual, like still like a like a factory like Meat storage factory. <laughs> factory behind it so it was yes. like kind of crazy and then like big, and a pretty like good sized parking lot right there so yeah that's a lot of, a lot of real estate in chicago to like go like something. start right into the fulton market sign just walk straight west and then take a left eventually on randolph you'll really enjoy yourself it's it's, it's cool it's re- it's really awesome what they've been doing with it nice nice yeah i'm excited to check out the area awesome yeah safe travels to you man and um yeah you're gonna enjoy it and I can't wait to meet you in person soon. We have too many mutual friends at this point. This has been such a fun interview. I had no surprises that I was going to be one, but um, a bigger fan than I even was before. And, and shout out to, of course, the rest of the guys in Autograph. Um, you guys are a special group. Um, yeah. And 
yeah seriously thank you for coming on the show it means a lot yeah thanks for having me